Welcome to the Field of 12 After Dark Show, Sirius XM, ESPNU. Y'all can call me dirty from now on because I plan on getting dirty with George's ass. Let the nuts hang. I'll give you the politically non-correct answer. The lights went out. Don't worry, guys. Don't worry. It's Dabo doing the gritty. The old man, I'm screaming at kids to get off his lawn. Well, you never know what the hell is going to go on in Morgantown. You get off the bus, it smells like straight whiskey. Cheers, boys. Let's ride. Let's go. Yes, welcome back, Field of 12 After Dark. We are rolling. Anything After Dark is fun with this crew. I'm Yogi Roth, your host, joined by two elite performers on the field. And now, of course, with this community, Darian Rancher and everybody's favorite guy. We're talking about Clint Sterner. Love the background, man. It's so good right now. It I'm may change colors. I'm professional, baby. You are. You are a professional. So, uh, you know, I'm still new to this. This is only my third show with you guys of the season. So I know we start with a toast. Yeah. So I want to set the toast up with if you could replay one game from week mm-hmm. one and you got to stand in the student section and be a part of that, which student section are you toasting in major college football? Clint, mm. can I go first? You might have been well, Damn, it. Yogi, you done put me on the spot with that one right there. Well, I mean, about it. What you... look here, I, I want to lean I want to lean on my Razorbacks just for because I can't think of anybody else off the top of my damn head. But, man, um, go I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to roll I'm gonna roll with one of them one of them squads that opened the, opened the year up. What, didn't West Virginia Pitt open up big time? I know week zero. Ooh, backyard brawl. But, but wasn't that backyard brawl, wasn't that our, our first week one Power 5 matchup, wasn't it? Yes, it was. They were, at West Virginia. they were at West Virginia, if I remember correctly, right? Wrong. They were wrong. They're at Pitt. They were, they're at Pitt. I'm a Pitt alum, bro. They were at the Pitt Panthers. Then North I guess North I got to ride with the Pitt Panthers then. I guess I got to ride with the Panthers. That's, that's the crowd I'm talking about, baby. Here we go. I love that. I love that. I love that. All right, Darian, who you riding with, man? I'm going to go down to the swamp. They had a big uh, matchup. They had Utah come in. Um, and obviously, for years, the Swamp's kind of trying to get that swagger back. New coach down there and Coach Napier. And so I'm going with them. They got a big win in the Swamp, rank win to start the season off, give them good momentum. So cheers to the Swamp. And also my little brother down there, uh, Trevor Etienne, the newest Etienne in college football. So cheers. Oh, I like that. Cheers to that. Well, Clint, you were living kind of in my wheelhouse. You know, I'm the West Coast guy here on this show. But I can't be biased. You know, I like talking all things college football. It looks sweet in the swamp, but you can't get me to pull away from the Pittsburgh Panthers because that win with two former SC quarterbacks, the way it went yeah. down at the end with a drop, and it was debatable. But I'll go with a drop on this side, and I don't think we play Clemson this year. So good for them. They don't have to come and face the Pitt Panthers defending champs, maybe in the title game. We'll in see the title happens. game. We'll yeah, see in you. the title game. All right, we'll see you there. I'd love to be there. Who knows? We'll see what we can do. Maybe we can make it happen. But big props to Pat Narduzzi, uh, Keaton Slovis. That was just a great game. And I think that's where, like, we'll jump off on this thing. Like, we all love the game. And I think so much happens around the game, right? We've seen realignment happen. It's probably going to continue yeah. to happen. We've seen right. the playoff expand. Thank the good Lord. Like, geez, I mean, it's about time because the game was in trouble, in my opinion, if we just kept it at the same three going to the party. And every once in a while, we get to debate over whoever with the fourth one is coming to the dance. So we got good stuff off the field. But the games, fellas, like, finally. I, I mean, I, I got to the Collie. I, I called SC versus Rice. And the Collie was vibing. First time in a long time with Caleb Williams and that team. So we'll talk about all those things, but let's go to some personal experiences. Uh, Darren, you were at the game last night, Clemson, yeah. Georgia Tech. Uh, what, what was it like for you as an alum? Like, is it hard for you to go to games? I want to start on the personal side. Like, do you still want to go play? Do you think you still can play? Like, what, where's your head at when you go to one of those games? Yes, I'm like fresh to remove, got a little stint in the league, and then it just didn't materialize anymore. So I don't really have – I feel like I had a great college career. As far as I was there for six years, I feel like I, I milked everything out of Clemson. I redshirted, played for it, came after the COVID year. It was a part of a lot of big time moments. And so when I'm when I'm in the stands, I'm just more so like, you know what? I've earned the right to be here. I'm chilling. I'm with my little brother of success. Um, and so it really is interesting sitting in the stands because you realize how many people do not know football. <laughs> I'm sitting there, bro. And, and, and here, it's, here's one thing. It's one thing to have an opinion and to and just be emotional about everything. Just, you're just emotional because you're like, oh, man, I want to I be better or you're excited. That's cool. It's one thing to have an opinion and you have no concrete, logical thought behind what you're saying. I'm like, bro, do y'all even know what you're watching? They're just critiquing everything. It's the offensive play call. It's the, it's the quarterback, whatever. And 
I'm like, this, y'all, y'all idiots. Um, but it was a great experience. It was definitely a rocky start, and it was looking very unpromising and looking a lot like a replay of some of our darker moments last year. But the boys rallied, rallied back. I applaud Coach Sweeney. Uh, I mean, he's, just, he's a wise man. He's been, this is his first rodeo with quarterback situations. Um, and I think he knows that that's a, that's a really sensitive area in college football because that's the only position to me where you can't interchange. Like, there's no hot hand. you got to go with your guy, and if you make a decision not to, that's a sword you got to live with, fall on, and, and deal with the repercussions of that. And DJ's a leader on the team. Obviously, there's a question mark on his performance. Can he beat a guy? Can he beat a guy to take us to that level that Clemson's used to? You got Kay Klubnik, five-star, very well-respected kid in the locker room, come in, learn the system really quick, look sharp. And I just think uh, success, I mean, competition breeds success. So somebody's going to get better. Somebody's going to be got out of that room. Either DJ's going to rise up to the occasion or he's going to leave some room for Kay to come in and have a chance. So it's, think- it's uh, we'll see. Yeah, we're going to keep going. I want to stay on this for a little bit. I think that position is so unique, like sensitive. That, that was a great word that you used. Clint, you, you know this position extremely well, man. I'm curious, what do you think in this situation or situations like this? Because, you know, we saw it at Clemson years ago, right? You probably lived it, Darian. Like you were there yeah. with Trevor in that, in that whole scenario. We've seen it around the country before. What is the number one trait that QB1 needs to have in this situation not not the up-and-comer and everybody's darling right now Cade would be in this instance but what does the right. QB1 in your guys need to have yeah look I don't care if it's a young kid or if it's DJ I mean he got to be an alpha like I I just I don't think I don't, it's difficult to play quarterback uh anywhere in the country uh, at any level of college football if you're not an alpha but I but I think it's it's tenfold so more difficult alpha. I mean, a, a genuine, sincere, authentic leader of men. I walk in the cafeteria, I sit down at the table, and within five minutes I got 10, 15 dudes around me and we're breaking bread because we love to be around each other. I, I'm, I, I attract I, – I attract, guys want to be around me uh, and guys want to feed off of me. Guys want to follow me. I don't put in any special effort to lead. I naturally gen, gen, – genuine – Genuinely and sincerely, um, just draw people to you, and and they want to follow you. I I think it's and it's not something you can try to be. You either got it or you don't. And and I I just don't think you can walk into a place like Clemson. As I said, I don't think you can. I think it's hard to hard to play the position if you're not an alpha anywhere. But when you start talking about the top ten programs in America that are full of alphas, whether they're offensive linemen or defensive linemen or DBs or wide receivers, it's it's magnified times ten. And so I think if 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 you put me in a corner and said, okay, give me one thing that that dude has to be, I think he's got to be an alpha, and I think it's got to be genuine and sincere and authentic. Because there's no place in America like a locker room, and I'll even say a, a, a college locker room because guys aren't getting paid millions of dollars, and you don't get to walk in with your chest poked out because you got a five year deal worth a hundred plus. In college, you got to be that dude. And so there's nowhere to hide. And if you don't have that, if it's not authentic, then you can't hide. And odds are you're going to hit some adversity. You're going to hit some bad spots, which DJ hit last year. And if he ain't that alpha, if he ain't that dude, the locker room's going to sense it. They're going to smell it out. And the young fella's going to get an opportunity. It's, it's all To me, it's all about who that alpha is. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I just uh, I wrote a book around quarterbacks this uh, this summer. It's called Five Star QB. So we dove into that that position. And what I've learned and what I believe is that that position is so tightly tied to the head coach that right. I think in a situation like this, Darren, it's it's about the head coach also positioning you, right? Whether he's teeing you up because right now I think it's that funny, funky time, right? What is it? Furman, La Tech. And then here comes Sam Hartman. Thank God he's coming back, by the way. Major props for Wake Forest. Salute. Seriously. Salute, indeed. Yeah, that was the best news of the, of the week so far, major college football. But I say that, like, I'm so intrigued to watch your former head coach manage this. Because I think this is all about management, especially around the locker room and even the early play calls in a game. Like, getting that, you know, whether you want to call it the it factor, or you want to call it alpha, whatever you want to call it. And I love that you just find it, Clint, because I think the young quarterbacks watching – might think alpha means loud, which is not what it means. Right? And I loved your description of it. It's you walk out of the room, people feel your presence and you elevate those around you. And, and I, I'm really excited to watch because they might roll in these two games 
and they might play the young guy a bunch, right? So then, like, how are you managing it? Are you just breeding pure yeah. competition, or is there? I think this situation because this team is good. I think there's management around it versus screw it, man. Let's let let the best guy win, and that's it. I think Clemson is in too big of a spot to just let that. Yeah, happen. and I would say just to to his point, I think he's spot on with like the, the characteristics of a quarterback. But I was saying this in this particular position. If DJ doesn't win the job, it won't be because he doesn't have that trait. I think it'll be because of his performance. Because I think DJ, I mean, like you look at like to me, you look at the way Coach Sweeney's had his back this summer. Like a coach could have easily like not talked talked him up or like had his back. He could have like left it open, even in media wise, for a young kid to come in. But Coach Sweeney's had his back through the media, which I've commended. Um, he's been upfront about his shortcomings last year, but at the same time, he's been full of belief that, like, this kid, uh, you don't luckily go throw for 400 yards in Notre Dame and break the record. You know, like, that just – he's shown glimpses of greatness. And the thing for him is, like, which everybody wants to see because he is – that he's that guy. He's a likable guy. He's a leader. He's a humble guy. He's a, he's a guy who has an aura about him. You want to see him do it so bad, but at the end of the day, it's going to come down to – at Clemson, last year was a different year for us because we didn't have as much competition in that quarterback room, but typically we do. There's another guy that can play that position – at a high level is like who can play at the championship level. It can't, it can't just be good. Like you can't just manage the system. You got to play at a high level because we are a championship caliber program. And so that's kind of what I'm interested to see is like in order for DJ to keep that spot, he's got to really play well. And last night he showed moments of that. There was a couple of drives. We could copy and paste a couple of those drives last night where he was making plays, kind of setting his feet, making quick throws, making good reads, not thinking too much. I mean, that was gold. But there's a couple moments in there where it made you – it had some moments of doubt. And you see Kay Clubman come in there, and it's like he looked smooth. He looked efficient. He looked like he was just rolling, like the moment wasn't too big. And so I would love to see DJ build off the good moments last uh, last night and take that into week week two, week three. But that's what it's going to take. And then you know – y'all know, it's, I mean, a quarterback, if you give the audience ammunition, it's going to be hard to, like, like, block out a lot of that media rhetoric, noise, headlines. And so, like you said, it's going to be interesting. I think this week they're definitely going to both going to play. And I feel like I would love to see them both play well. I think it'll be really tough if one plays, especially the backup plays a little better than the starter. So we'll see. Yeah, that, that, that's that's interesting to me, though, D, because, you, I mean, you got a dude that's been in the system <clears throat> that's obviously uber talented. Week right. one he comes out. And, and, look, he left a little bit to be desired. I mean, he didn't play a great ball game, but he didn't do anything to lose his job. And we're already sitting here having a conversation about the young kid getting some run this week. I mean, I, I just I, – I, this thing reeks of me. Wasn't it Wasn't it Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence? Wasn't that kind of how that thing worked out and Trevor ended up working out? It was, out? But, but this ain't – so this, this is a – that's a great point. I'm, people ask me that throughout the entire offseason. Here's here's my take on that, and you run, run with this. Really quickly, I don't think Kate Klubnick should even think remotely like he's a great player, going to be a great talent. He's not Trevor Lawrence like pressure just yet, but at the same time, DJ's not come off a season like Kelly. So that's why Kelly had four games. Like he had some time. Kelly came off an AC championship season. We lost in the playoffs. We didn't either one of those things last year. So Kelly had a little more time, but also had way more pressure. DJ's got a little less time and pressure. So it's 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 different but similar. But like that's that's the way I would frame it. Like I think DJ doesn't have as much resume come off the season. That's why I kind of the talks a little earlier. But at the same time, I don't think Cade is just like he. I don't know if he's a generational talent to where like you gotta play him. It's like you want DJ to be the guy, but if he can't do it, then it's you gotta. He get coach Swinney get paid ninety million dollars to make these decisions now. Look, like, that's why <laughs> that's people be hating on the money, but these are money making decisions. You, I'll you say get, this: they get paid that money. To, they get paid that money to make these decisions. Look, here's yo yo here real quick. I mean, to me, DJ is the kind of guy. DJ's got to be a fixer. He doesn't just just play well. Like, DJ has to be a fixer. You've been in the game for a minute. You're uber talented. Um, I mean, you can't just play well. you got to go in there and be the reason that your team is winning ball games, not right. what some believe. And I'm not talking about us out here. I'm talking about everybody in the organization or in the program. Sorry, I've been talking this NFL Texan stuff too much. But, um, <laughs> you know, in, in the program, you got to be the reason – that they lean on you. When you get in that huddle with them ten other dudes, they gotta feel like you're gonna you're gonna win the ball game, not just play well and not just get through some things, but be the reason, be the fixer. If it's a bad play call, make it right. If it's a busted right. play, go get a first down. Um, if you gotta buy time and 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 get outside the pocket because the protection is not right, buy time, get outside the pocket 
and make that throw. And, and I just don't see DJ doing that at this point in time. And he didn't do much of it last year. I, I want to ask you guys about this with Clemson because th to me this this matters in this conversation, right? And correct me if I'm wrong, D, because I, I I may get off in the weeds on some details and I need some correction here. But Brandon Streeter, the offensive coordinator, this is his first year as, as the OC, correct? Right. He he did, he had one game. He had the bowl game with his last year, but this is his first first official game. So where before you had you had Tony Elliott and you had Jeff Scott even back in the day, to where those dudes had had quarterbacks that had had success in their system. They had some pelts on the wall to be like, nah, nah, this is the guy we're gonna ride with. Hang tight. We're gonna get this this thing right, and we're gonna we're gonna get moving in the right direction. Right now, not only do you have a quarterback that's trying to hang on, and even a young guy that's trying to take a job, but you got an offensive coordinator that's trying his damnedest to prove that he belongs at Clemson. And maybe he's Dabo's dude. Maybe you know better better than me. But I know a new play caller. He ain't gonna sit around and be real committed to a quarterback that's not making plays and not moving the ball and not not producing when he's got a young cat standing behind him. So I think the dynamic of that offensive meeting room is slightly different than what it's been over the last, hell, you can say 10 years, really, D. Yeah. Yes. I, I think to me, because we could talk about this for an hour, and we will if we need to, um, but definitely hit up my man D. You, you see the jersey behind him. Any Clemson questions, hit him up on social media. I'm sure you'll keep it going there, man. Uh, th this comes down to two things for me. Uh, Kate Klubnick, we, we had him at the Elite 11, the premier quarterback camp, and he had this loose, fun, confident vibe that I imagine he's carried with him into college. Right. saw him in state championship games in high school, huge high school football moments, right? This dude has that, that thing, you know, that it factor, right? Walk in the room, people feel you, your presence, and you make him better. He has all that. I think he's going to be a stud. What I would want to see, if you were like, hey, you can go be um, ACC Films, if that exists, and you can mic up DJ, <laughs> and you can go tight zoom on him. I really believe this. I believe in this phrase called the wonder switch. And I believe that wonderment, which is like when you all took your visits, whether it's Arkansas or Clemson or me at Pitt, and you walk into the stadium, you're like, damn, yeah. These guys both probably felt that on their visit to Clemson. Right. And then at some point, that wonder switch gets turned off. And it gets turned off by fans, by DMs, poor play, your own self-talk, your family, things off the field, like a lot of things. And what I've found is that most elite quarterbacks are not aware that it's off and their body language is bad, right? Their presence is just okay. They may feel a little sorry for themselves, like whatever it is, but they've got to recognize it and boom, snap out of it. What I want to see, and I'm not saying his is off, but with everything that has gone on with him coming out of high school, going in and the success in the Notre Dame game, as you referenced, to what happened last year, to the opening half, at least this past weekend or a couple of days last night, I think the biggest thing for him is to have a blast. And if I was coaching, if I was his quarterback coach, I'd say, hey, bro, let's go cut it loose and let it rip. Like, you got to go right. play free and play fun. Because if you play yeah. tight, yeah, because you're, you're like, oh, shit, Kelly Bryant whispers. And you, I mean, he's human, right? right? Like, so blocking out the noise is BS, in my opinion. It's dealing with it. It's having the tools to manage that wonderment, that imagination being turned off or being negative. And, and that's where I would want to see the magic of his OC and head coach. And how does he internally manage that? And that's what I think young quarterbacks, they, they don't have a lot of those tools. They're not necessarily front-loaded for them when they walk into college or even when they are in college because it's about the moment. It's about winning. It's about next man up. It's about just the competitiveness of big-time college football. When it's a quarterback, and they got to manage a little different. So I'm, I'm going to be glued to the next probably four weeks to yeah. see how this thing shakes out. Yeah, there's definitely going to be some moments in every season. Like There's going to be – and sooner and later, because that's something you want to like solidify. I think if DJ can show promise, Coach Sweeney's going to ride with him uh, throughout the season. But I think he's earned the job like throughout camp. To, to it's his job to lose. That is, it's not like he's can. It's his job to lose. Like, he's going to be the guy. He's going to go out there first. He's going. He's going to play well. Um, but then at the same time, like I just think that he's got. Like he said, he's got to go out there and dominate he's got to be the reason that we're clicking on all cylinders and like at times yesterday we also didn't help i think that's i mean fair criticism on like there's a couple 50 50 balls that comes from the 80 20 balls because we've always had receivers we're calling myself to be wide receiver you and there's a 50 50 ball that's an 80 20 ball you got to go make that play there's a couple plays like last night that i think 
could have really changed perception-wise how he played. Because I think he played solid, but I think he really could have – he could put a couple of those balls that were, like, in the bread basket. Yeah. All right, so real and quick, then, Darian. Yeah. Because you're, you're dialed in. Are they going to play both guys in real-time football or are you just anticipating blowouts the next two weeks? I think that knowing Coach Sweeney, he's going to – all right, scenario would be they play Furman, who's – his Furman ass off to him, but that should be a blowout game for Clemson. I think Co- Coach Sweeney would give DJ the first three or four drives, probably get in the first quarter. Hope we get up 21-0, 28-0. Kate will get like early solid minutes with the ones. So like second quarter, either beginning of second quarter or middle of second quarter. He'll play, he'll play in the first half for sure. Wow. Then he'll come out, probably get the third quarter. Then he'll get like Hunter Johnson in there, who's also a third string backup. Former five-star, elite eleven kid. Oh yeah, um, love him. You got a couple of the walk-on stuff. That's a game where Coach Swing wants to play a lot of people. So ideally, he want to get up early, get Cade some real time, like with the ones, the first line, first backs, first receivers, and then, so he'll. No, it's gonna be like he's gonna give him a chance to show what he can do. Wow. All hey, right. hey, look, hey, D. That that uh, here's what I, I believe that huddle. I believe that huddle is gonna tell Coach Sweeney who the starting quarterback is moving forward for his football team. If they got a couple of games coming up where they're all going to get in that mix, that huddle's going to tell that that huddle's going to tell them who who they need to ride with the rest of the way. Because Davo Sweeney can't keep playing this. I mean, Clemson. I, I, I got to defend Clemson because everybody said oh, they had a bad year last year. No, they lost a couple of games, man. It happens right. every now and then, right? right? I wish I played at a school where three losses was a bad season. Hell, but when it's all said and done, there is pressure because they, I mean. I mean, he would that y'all y'all the Clemson program was was on the, the same level with Alabama over the last five or six years. So there is right. pressure to get back there. Um, I think that huddle is going to tell him whether he needs to go with DJ or he needs to go with Cade moving forward, and they got to make a decision and and quit with all the back and forth stuff. I I I just I think that's going to happen over the next three weeks. Okay, all right, it, let's let's keep it going yeah. back and forth. Come here. on, let's do it. Let's keep it going back and forth. We also are on the Sirius XM app, which is exciting for us. So. Uh, it's a premiere tonight, I believe. So that's pretty cool. Um, with that said, okay, um, back and forth, back and forth, the rankings go. Utah drops out. Clemson moves to five. I think of those two teams played with what we saw in week one, I would take Utah. But point being, I'm the Pac-12 guy here. I'll let you two go first before I talk about our league out here on the West Coast. I think everybody jumped to um, an opinion after one game and one week. Hey, Pac-12 was out based on Utah's loss to Florida. Where do you guys net out? with that as a, as a real scenario, as SC jumps, in, jumps into the top 10? Yeah, I think it's um, – you look at the, the storylines within college football this year, and you look at in the past, like, SC's a blue blood. You know, like, it's one of those teams that when they're good at football, it's good for college football. And they haven't been uh, consistently for a minute. Um, and so I think this is a year you got Lincoln Riley coming back. You got Caleb Williams. You got those receivers. You, you got a lot of people coming into that program to a lot of transfers to, to hopefully get them back in that reign that they've had. And so I think that they could, I think it's set their season sets up for them to make a really good run and to cap it off with a game against Notre Dame. And so they obviously play Utah, I think, um, October 15th. So middle of the season, that'll be a big game for them. I thought like that'll be like a good, like, like, like oil check, you know, they're just like, all right, are, are we who we say we are? Because I'm sure a Utah will probably make a run now that they lost to Florida and probably go 5-1, 6-1 before that game. And that will be a game in their mind where, like, all right, we want to get back on track, get back in a good bowl game, New Year's Six bowl game. That's a game <clears> they got to win. So, to me, that's a date to circle for USC. And then, like I said, I think they their schedule sets up for them to make a run. And I think they really can run the tables. And I don't think they play Oregon. I think they will meet them in the, in the Pac-12 championship, I think. Yep, you're right on. You're right on with that. Yeah. All right, what do you think, Clint? Is the Pac-12 out of it? No, hell no, they ain't out of it. No, I mean, they, I mean, it, that's silly. I, I, I mean, I, when I first heard it, I was like, what are we doing here, man? I mean, look, Utah's going to benefit from the fact that they started out so high in, in the preseason rankings. They're going to benefit because they started out number seven, first of all. Secondly, they're going to benefit because Florida is going to end up, you've already seen it. I think what they do, the they jump to 12 in the AP poll this t- today after being unranked. Um, I mean, Florida's a top 10, top 15 football team. So that loss, them going to the swamp and battling down to the very last play is going to end up being a positive on, on Utah's resume when it's all said and done. So if Utah ends up winning out, they got to play SC and they got to play Oregon, I believe, the last game of the season. 
Um, that if they went out, they're going to be in the conversation. I'm not saying they're getting in, but I'll be damned if I'm going to have the conversation that they're for sure out. And I think USC, I think they run the table. I've got them. I've got them in my in my college football playoff, my Final Four. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think I think the Pac-12. Now Oregon, they are cooked. You might as you might as well have you some duck wraps. We, I, I used to do a bunch of duck hunting. We'd shoot some ducks and we'd fillet them them duck breasts up and wrap them up in bacon and put them on that grill. You might as well grill you up some duck. They are done. Put a fork in their ass. They are done. But USC and Utah, they they uh both either or both of them can't stay alive because they got to play each other. But either or one of them, whoever comes right. out, um, uh, you know, unscathed the rest of the way has definitely got a chance. Okay, yeah, so. and I'm, I'm about to say on that. I think the toughest part is just the narratives. Like even with ACC, I'm I'm I'm, a, I'm from a conference who wants to change the narratives on college college football. When you play an SEC opponent, we want to win those games because of the rhetoric that ACC football isn't up to par. And so, to me, it really hurts Pac-12's case when you get stomped, like beat, like you stole something. Not even like it wasn't even competitive. I mean, it was like. That was a marquee game that people circled on the calendar for week for week one, true week one, but Oregon and UGA in Atlanta. Let's see what happens. Let's see if they can hold their own. And they get smacked, like not even close. And so that just, to me, it really hurts their, like, perception going to the rest of the season because, like, that's going to always be a game people go back to or, like, why they lose that badly to that team. And then you yeah. look at Utah, they go down to Florida, which is, like, Obviously, another SEC opponent they lose that game. So the Pac-12 to me, just like going 0-2 in the SEC already, that's always going to be the rhetoric to get them into to where the playoff system is now to that top four. Is like, can they play with the rest of the big dogs? And you yeah, look at like those, yeah, it's going to be interesting. And like, like I said, to me, that would have helped everyone's case. I feel like they kind of have some synergy there. If they all do well, it helps everybody kind of rise up. But for both teams to go lose in week one or two SEC teams and rank them and rank and rank games, it's just not a good look. Yeah, I, all right, I got a couple of thoughts on this. I called SC's opener. I'm going to Oregon. I got their yeah. game this weekend. And I, I think let's just talk with the, with the Blue Blood dialogue. I think as college football, as we said on the top of the show, so much changes, right? There's so many changes that we've embraced, whether it's NIL, transfer portal, realignment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we never really embraced the, even the concept of like, what if Blue Bloods changed? Right? Like, <laughs> we all want Texas to be good. They haven't won a long time. I'm an SC guy. Like we want them to be great. They haven't won a long time. Like I just think we have these like arguments about these blue bloods all the time. And like we don't look at like the last decade. Like let's just say Utah. They got the most offense and defensive linemen drafted on the West Coast. Like they they're the NFL is loaded with dudes from Utah. Yeah. So I just think it's interesting in that regard. That's why I think that loss had an impact, as you said, on the narrative. And I feel that on the ACC as well. Like if it wasn't for Clemson, the ACC would feel at times like the Pac-12 does. You know, from right. the big picture, lazy, su- no offense, Clint, but the Southern narrative is just like, well, what was this box score? You know, like nobody's right. watching the games. And I look at it and I'm like, well, every year, like the third most players go to the league from the Pac-12 after the SEC and Big Ten who have two more teams. So it's not like there's bad play or bad players, but I think that sometimes becomes the narrative because of those games. Second right. point on that, uh, just studying the Oregon game in advance of Saturday is – I, I remember being at the CFP with Bama and Washington and UW had a score. If you remember the right ends on the through a touchdown pass to Dante Pettis. When I looked at this game and it was 14, nothing and Oregon's moving the ball. It was like that moment, that drive to breathe some life into the sidelines, kind of like, Oh yeah, we can right. do this. And when they threw that bad pick, it was a wrap in that regard. So I don't think like if Oregon had to go play another elite team in the country, it's going to be the same score. I think they got to give themselves some opportunities to to just feel a little breath, a little fresh breath of fresh air. And I think they never had it. And then you saw the missed tackles, and it was not great. For yeah, it, it got ugly. It got real ugly. Yeah, it got real ugly. And I'm looking but, forward to being there. And Yogi, then, the, Yogi, the, I mean, the only way you change that narrative is you show up and play, and they just flat shit the bed, man. I mean, I mean, we, I understand, I understand the Pac-12's got is a little bit of like the little brother kind of kind of because of the West Coast now. And I think that's such a dynamic. That's not just about the the football in the in the conference. It's 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 there's money's involved and there's ratings involved and there's I mean that that's such a uh beyond my my simple minded ass. I I'm it's such a, a difficult formula to, to to figure out exactly why the Pac-12 suffers. But man, I mean like they got to when, when you get an opportunity to play Georgia, you can't just you got to do what Utah did. You got to come in and play ball. You can't just yeah. you can't just shit the bed. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that, though, just a reminder, right? And again, I think this is what college football is. It's what have you just done for me in the last seven days, right? Or the last right. 24 hours. Right. Like, they rolled Ohio State last year. Like, just to roll the tape back. So I just think, like, let's pause the brakes on, like, totally burying a team or elevating a team. Like, I, I think that's what we love about college football, but also a part of college football that we need to, like, address and say, hold on, let me take a minute. Because I, I go back to, like, 2016. Who doesn't remember Alabama totally owning SC in the opener? Well, at the end right. of the year, they changed quarterbacks, and it was Sam Darnold in an awesome game at the Rose Bowl. They beat Penn State. The next year, they go lose to Ohio State, but they go to the Cotton Bowl. Like, I'm just going to be intrigued to see how it shakes. It's not like Oregon doesn't have talent to that point. Like, It's not like they don't have players that will play at the next level. So we'll see. I'll be back next week and let you know what I learned yeah. from when I got up there. Um, I guess I'll I, I add that. that, yeah. that. And then I was going to say on the last point around the playoff, because that was the, the topic of like, is the Pac-12 dead? I love how you both said no. And I think that's fair. Like, let it play out. Like, to me, as a Heisman voter, Anthony Richardson is clearly in the dialogue, as is Stetson Bennett after what we saw in week one. And right. I, I'm excited to watch Cam Rising and this Utah defense, which had a freshman Mike linebacker. Like, I'm excited to see what they do at the end. And in the Pac-12, I don't know if you guys are aware, but there's no longer nor a north or south. It's right, the top two place. conferences winning yeah. percentages. So SC and Utah can play each other. Oregon and Utah could play each other. Like there could be a lot of really fun matchups that I think position them well for a playoff argument once they get into late November, early December. I will say, like, I, I agree with your point. Um, and I think the benefit to going to a 12-team playoff in the years to come is yeah. you're able to overcome perception. All reason I say this, like what, what, what me and my man have said, I think it matters so much because a team like Oregon and SC, I feel like those, and that's that that's the benefit that that is like the benefit to the way the four teams are now. Like every week matters. When you yeah. get the twelve team playoff, you gonna you can have some mulligans. Right now, you look at the playoff schedule. You'll, I feel like every week from week one, you got to come out and assert yourself. Like we are here to play, and maybe there's some teams like Clemson. I don't feel like Clemson. Is I, Clemson has is going to take some time to develop throughout the season. They got the quarterback situation they got going on. They got to figure that out. But Bama, you you just it's like plug and play. You got a Heisman quarterback coming, Heisman quarterback coming back. All right, he's going to ball. Georgia, you got you just won a national championship with this guy. All right, y'all clicking on all cylinders. So it's just different. I don't like you said. Yeah. I think there is a it's a very developmental season. I will say, sadly, still it is based on perception. You you're oh, building boy. your storyline through the entire year. Not in the future. It'll be different because there'll be a lot more grace for moments like this. Like, okay, so both of you yeah. give me your answers to this. Um, are you a body of work guy or are you four best at the time guy? Like we get to December, what is it? December 4th. Yeah. Are you saying four best, let's ride? Are you saying best body of work for the whole season? With where I, I think I, I think I think four best is a lazy ass take in my opinion. I, I think I think it's got to be about body of work. Like you can't. You, I, I'll give you a perfect example, and this is a—I mean, this is a very tough argument because they went on and won the national championship. But I, I'm okay with saying I'm—I'm I'm in this in this group, right? Yeah, Ohio right. State. And I don't remember what year it was. Whatever year they won, it was Zeke and them boys. They go out and they lose a game at home to a 500 Virginia Tech football team. To me, that matters. Like you—you got—you got to. When we talk about the four best teams in America that deserve a chance in the in the college football playoffs. You need to have handled your business to a degree of where when a 500 football team comes in to your house, which is one of the most difficult places to play, you mop the floor with them. And I'm not saying, look, that should have kept them out of the playoffs. Because off the top of my head right now, I can't think of who got in, who, who they got in over, and I can't think of exactly how it all unfolded. But it to me – TCU. It might, was it that year? Take it may have been. Our it, producer. It, it, it may have been. But but when it's all – when it all my, my point is, is – it's got to be about body. We can't just get to the end of the season and go, man. I know, right. I know, Team X got two losses, but man, they got some, they got some bad dudes, and they're hot the last month of the season, man. Like it can't be, it can't be that. Think stuff has to matter, for sure. Yeah. And I, I, I will say, um, I'm definitely, I agree with that body of work because typically, you look at like really good teams, you should be in theory playing your best ball towards the end, and that's how a lot of times it plays out. A lot of teams, it's obvious, like. These are the four best teams. You might have a third in there based on like if somebody lost a conference game, lost in their conference title game. You got you got to make a decision there. But for the most part, it's very obvious. Like these teams are playing their best ball in December, which is how it should be. You should have built and learned 
and developed and uh, made corrections through the entire season to where in December when it's championship time, you're playing your best ball. And so I think it's it's tough to – that's why I say with this four teams, the benefit is it like it does every week counts. I think the downside is that every week counts and it's hard to overcome a narrative. Now with 12 teams, I feel like it will be a lot more grace. And you'll see a lot of teams that like they may start slow end up hot or teams that started hot end up slow and still have a chance to rebound. But right now you got to be hot. You got to week it week, week in and week out. You got to go play, show up and play. And until that changes, that's, that's, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Well, thank God it's going to change soon. Hopefully sooner than later. Cause if I was an AD, I just schedule easy money. Get me to eight. No, in the dialogue <laughs> and let right. you see what, I mean, why not? Um, all right. So with that said, uh, halfway through the show here, we're on Sirius XM skill 12 after dark presented by bet rivers. Uh, what I want to know, all right, it's week one. So let's just lean into what college football is, which is crazy hot takes and overreactions. If you had to vote today, or at least like invite a couple guys to New York city based on what you watched, I don't know how much you were able to watch back or watch on Saturday, fellas, who, who'd you love at quarterback? Like who's getting in that PJ and flying to New York city to sit in for the Heisman, you know, whether it's Anthony Richardson, Stetson Bennett, Caleb Williams, like a lot of guys had nice performances or who are you betting on that maybe didn't play great or didn't have a crazy game and maybe they will this weekend. Maybe it's Quinn Ewers. Maybe he's going to go off this weekend against Alabama. We're going so. beyond the obvious. I feel like the first three, three light-skinned brothers are the obvious ones. I think, I mean, I, I don't personally think they will give it to Bryce again because I don't know if they will do that. Uh, so maybe he's out, but he's still always in the conversation. He, he, was, he might still make the trip. I don't think they'll give it to him two years in a row. Um, I think CJ's got to be in the conversation. Uh, the Notre Dame game was kind of – wasn't a fluke, but I think that was one of those games. Notre Dame's defense, like, they earned – I think Notre Dame earned a lot of respect. That game was closer than I said last week that I thought it would be. I thought Ohio State would, would score more points than that. But I think you'll see CJ, CJ come on. Like, Notre Dame is very well coached with Marcus Freeman. I feel like – Ohio State's about to put up like 60 on a bunch of people in the weeks to come. So that'll be interesting to see. Caleb Williams, I think the thing, like you talk about coaches and you talk about that position, uh, you look at Lincoln Riley's resume of Heisman Trophy winners. He knows, I don't know how to stat, how to pad your stats, but he knows what it looks like to make a Heisman Trophy like campaign. And so I think Caleb Williams is definitely going to be in a conversation. Outside of those three, to me, Stetson Bennett could have a really cool narrative. I keep saying that, but that's really what you love I, that word. That's your word right now. Narrative. I mean, I, I was in it for like, and you start to see like sometimes it's, you don't be the best player, but who got the best story, which I don't think is bad. It's just, that's the way it is. It's ratings who like, I think Stetson Bennett coming off a national championship win and even still being an underdog, which is crazy to say, like he's national championship uh, quarterback and he's still an underdog because of how his presentation, I think he can end up in New York if he can, if they continue to play like they did against Oregon. And then him, him throw for 300 yards, be efficient. He threw for 80. He was 80%. Like, I mean, do play well. And He's then awesome. beyond that, I would mean, I think freakish-wise, you got to go Anthony Richardson. Like, his stats, though, are going to be interesting because, like, he only threw for 100 yards. He had 100 yards rushing. So it's like his his stats would be – I got, I don't know. I'm interested to see the next couple of weeks if he can, like, really – he's got to show he can throw the ball. He can't just – I don't think he, he can be a dual threat guy entirely and get to New York. Um, but I think if he's freakish, like that one play he had where he 360 mm. in the air, I don't know if it counted, whatever that play was, that was crazy. So I think he, he'll he have some flashing moments to make headlines, and if they can stay ranked, it'll be interesting. So that's kind of my two guys outside the light skin guys, my two. You know, right now, after one week of college football, I, I think three guys had an opportunity to make a Heisman statement. Two of them, two of them made that statement. I think one of them shrunk in the spotlight. I, I think, I think Stroud, I, I think he shrunk in the spotlight. Call it what you want to call it. I mean, it was an opportunity versus Notre Dame for him to have a Heisman moment, and he didn't have a Heisman moment ultimately. Um, you, you can even say that his his receiver Smith and Jigba. You can say he's kind of an outsider. Uh, even though I don't think a receiver's never won it, have they? But I, I, but he's a he's an outsider that's been in the conversation, I think, as a Cinderella. He goes out injured. Clearly, those two guys, I, I think, shrunk in the moment. So, I, I got two guys, man. I, I think Stetson Bennett, who I owe, who I owe a, uh, an apology um, to Stetson Bennett. I've been hard on Stetson Bennett now. I've been, I was hard on Stetson Bennett last year. Ten completions, averaging ten completions for the first 11 ball games last year really had me doubting that little fella. Well, he goes out there and has three college football playoff games. Um, I'm sorry, a SEC championship game and two college football playoff games. 
where he was a big reason why they won those ball games. And so that was my question coming in this year. Do we get the Stetson Bennett that completes 10 ball games? I mean, 10 balls a, a game and, you know, survives because the defense is great and, and, and runs just a, a vanilla offense? Or do we get the dude that comes out there and is doing big boy things uh, with that offense? And, and he did it, man. So I thought he, he would be the guy right now that if I had to give the Heisman Trophy to somebody, I think he's the front runner right this minute. Now, the guy you mentioned, D, Anthony Richardson, I don't want to hear nobody even put another dude in college football physically on the same level as him. There's not another dude in college football right now that can throw it the way Anthony Richardson can throw it. And then you add the size, the build, the, the speed, the athletic ability. Um, physically, this dude's an absolute monster, and I don't even think there's a close second. If I'm being completely honest, I love CJ Stroud. Good, good player. I get it. I really like the, the general uh, Bryce Young. I like what he brings to the table. Caleb Williams is nice, but ain't nobody spinning that rock like Anthony Richardson is, man. It's just a different. He's got a chance. He's got a chance to end the season this year, guys, not as a generational talent like Trevor Lawrence and, and like Andrew Luck and those guys where when they were. Yogi, when you had him in Elite 11, people were already putting him in the Heisman hunt and making him the number one overall pick. Like, Anthony, it's too late for Anthony to be that guy. But Anthony can start the season as a dude that had, I think, six touchdowns and five interceptions last year, and Dan Mullen, for some reason, didn't start his ass. He can come in the season as that dude and end as a guy that is zero doubt about it, hands down, the number one overall pick in the draft, and teams are fighting to get that pick. I, I think he's that gifted and that talented. I like – Clint, I, I love hearing your takes, by the way. I think they're amazing. Shrunk in the moment for, like, one of the greatest quarterbacks in America. I love how you, how you see Did it. Did he? Don't always... What would you think? Did he? Am, am, am I wrong? I don't know. I, I didn't, like, break it down afterwards. I just saw the TV game like like everybody else. And I was calling a game in, in real time, so I was kind of just peeking at it. Um but I think for him, like when it comes to the Heisman, like he his narrative is he's a, he's in the driver's seat or he's in the front seat at least, you know, like right. he's in he's in that ride and and they beat they won a game. Like I was on a, a radio show yesterday and the host asked me like, hey, do you think Ohio State like they put it on everybody in their league, but they're not really one of the big dogs? And I'm like, w do we forget that other teams are good too? Like, do we forget that Marcus Freeman had a whole year to, or whatever, eight months to prepare for the game? Like, do we forget that, like, 18 to 22-year-old kids like us weren't perfect when we played? Like, I, I think we can get in this world where we expect such perfection. And that's why you look at the last 20 years in Heisman Trophy preseason rankings, there's one dude who's ever won it. And it was Liner back when we were at SC. And I say that because guys get up here and, you know, right, wrong, and different, they get picked apart. Like, you can't tell me Andrew Luck shouldn't have won the Heisman. Like when he was at Elite 11 in high school or whether when he was starting at Stanford, like he was best kid in America, right? But he didn't, right? And, and maybe, D, that's your point on like the narrative of these guys. So it, it'll be fun to track. Uh, Stetson impressed me the most, though. Um, Anthony was freakish, all that stuff. But when I watched Stetson back, like how sudden he was, the throws he made this year that I didn't see him very often last year, Clint, to your point. I, I didn't watch every one of his snaps last year, but I'm excited to watch him because who doesn't love a walk-on story? I was a former walk-on who got a scout. Right. He's the same way, and I think now we need to talk about him like he's a baller. Like he's yeah. a baller. As a yeah, I, yeah. look, I, I mean, here's the deal, though, Yogi. I mean, and, and when we're talking – I mean, we're talking about Heisman Trophy candidates, ain't we? Sure, sure. I mean, we, it, 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 it ain't – to me, it's not about being fair, and it's not about – it's not about, well, he's a young kid and he's – no, he, he, is, he is the quarterback of arguably the most talented offensive unit in college football. And, and, and he just went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Notre Dame, who clearly has problems on the offensive side of the football and are very limited at the quarterback position and are struggling. And that game was much closer than it should have been. And so I, ju I just think that it was an opportunity for a Heisman candidate, a Heisman hopeful, that everybody's talking about this kid's a top-five quarterback. And if the conversation starts there, then that was a moment for him to make a have, have a Heisman type of moment and it didn't happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, you're wrong there, but I, I do think that like, this is the first year in college football. And I do believe we need to put context around this. 
This is the first year in college football where we've had a full year of players like Bryce, like CJ, like Caleb, of being pros, right? We're talking about NIL and all the things that are going on within their lives. It's a totally different plant than we were at a year ago. I think there's just a lot that goes to it. And I think it's easy sometimes just to forget like, oh, damn, yeah, he's like 22. Like, I, I, I'm not asking to feel bad for anybody. These guys are rock stars. Like, I'm asking just for empathy around like, dude, what, 24, 34 again? I didn't break down every snap post game like maybe you did. But Ohio State played Notre Dame. Notre Dame is not a slouch. Like, they're still a talented team. So that's kind of where I just net out of like, it'll be fun to watch. He wasn't the dude like uh, Stetson or Anthony were on Saturday. Uh, but he wasn't I, in my eyes. He wasn't a slouch. Like, he's I, gonna I have. He's, he's, yeah, he's yeah, to, to be clear, guy. yeah, yeah. To be clear, I don't think he's a slouch, Yogi. But if we're he talking about, it, it, to be clear, he said he shrunk. Like that's slouching, shrinking. Okay, I mean, <laughs> we 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 can we can split hairs on what shrunk means or what whatever. But the point is, the point is, is we're talking about a a a top five draft pick, a Heisman candidate, and he if he gets through. Okay, if if, if one of those guys get. Three opportunities this year to have their Heisman moments versus in big time games, prime time, big time opponents, and and CJ Stroud plays the way he did. Is it fair to say he's not going to win a Heisman Trophy? Fair. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Week One is going to be any part of the Heisman. And I hate to say that, but I think that's the reality. But, uh, but, I'm, but yo, what I'm saying, if he has three of those all year long, yeah, and in fair. two 100%. in two of those three games. Yeah, he shrinks. He doesn't play up to expectations. Whatever you want to call it, he, he doesn't. I'm, I, don't, I didn't mean to offend him. If I did, I, I, I just that at the end of the day, if if you don't go out there and you're not the reason why your team, I mean, just went out there and won ball games. Two of those three games, you don't you don't meet or exceed expectations. You're not going to win the Heisman. Agreed. Yeah. And and I don't think it's unfair to say he probably played below his expectations. Like you look at, he's a. A lot of interviews he's done. He's a very proud kid. Wants to be the best. Expects to be a number one pick in the draft. Like from and not even a cocky way. He thinks he's he's up there with the best of them. I mean, look at that game. I think he. You work all offseason. I don't think he went out there to score twenty one points. That's not Ohio State's norm. That's not what they their average. So I don't think it's crazy to say like that they underperformed. Obviously, I think it's it's it'll they'll have some grace because it was a good team. Like they put a really good Notre Dame team. And to me. It'll be more of an indictment what he does the next two weeks of what, what his campaign is. But if he plays like that stat-wise, yeah, he probably won't put up a Heisman because you need some more exciting numbers. Uh, but, it, but at the same time, I think it's fair to say, like, all right, that was a moment for him to go out here and snap. And right, right wrong, or indifferent, it just, it just didn't come together. So hopefully, like, we've seen him do That's the thing. We've seen this kid go out there and, I mean, in the, you know what I'm saying, the Rose Bowl game, throw for whatever and right. just out there ha having his way. And so that's that's I think that's what it's going to take for him to be the player he wants to be come draft day and like probably New York time. Yeah, so all right, we'll put a bow on this and move to the next topic. But just to for the listeners, Arkansas State at home, Toledo at home, they're going to put up a thousand yards combined in those games, right? <laughs> then they get Wisconsin at home. We'll see. Rutgers at home, so they're they're not leaving the state of Ohio yeah. until October eighth for a minute, and they go to Michigan State. So that'll be a test. Iowa at home at Penn State. That'll be a nice little three-week stretch where he'll be able to make a case. And then it's kind of nobody's again until Michigan at home. So right. it'll be fun. It'll be fun to track. We'll, we'll track it here for sure. And, and as always, like I love the dialogue. I mad respect to everybody here. It's, it's fun conversation um, as my son takes my water again. All right, so here we go. Uh, cruising to the next block here in the last 10 minutes. Again, we're on XM. Give us love on social media. This is fun dialogue every single night of the week. Uh, LSU. You know, it's fun for me watching Jaden Daniels play. Uh, God, I felt bad for every kicker in America after that at the end there. Man, did you – it was just a letdown. I'm screaming in my house at this game, excited for it, and, and we saw what we saw. Um, and it seems like there's a little drama in LSU. Um, what, what are you guys' takeaway? Clint, you live, you know, in, in Texas. Like, you're closer to that region. Uh, you cover that league really well. What's your takeaways from that early performance from LSU? Yeah, look, I I think it's it's, it's going to be a storyline all year long I, with, with Brian Kelly and whether he fits in at LSU or not. Um, I, I think there's a handful of schools out there. Uh, my alma mater is one of them. I think LSU is one of them. Um, there's a handful of schools out there where I think it does matter of, of how you relate to 
um, the fan base and how you relate to the, the the local recruits in your in your general vicinity. I mean, let's be honest, Les Miles and Ed Orgeron, they, they could recruit out of a Cadillac Escalade and go win national championships if, if we're being honest with the with the athletes they have in southern Louisiana. And so, I mean, I think that's going to be a storyline the entire the entire season, number one. Um, and, and I think Brian Kelly didn't do himself any favors with the fake accent and the, the, the dancing and all that job that he did. That stuff is real funny and it's, it's real cute, uh, before the season starts, but when you start playing and you don't, your team doesn't play up to expectations, uh, things like that grow, you know, they, they grow, they get bigger. People continue to talk about them and it gets ugly and it gets more and more difficult to, to focus on the task at hand. So I, I think that's, that's where LSU stands now. I was, I'm going to be honest with you, after watching Florida and Utah with Billy Napier taking over what I think is a, a very similar situation in terms of an organization that was dysfunctional as hell last year, organization, a program that was dysfunctional as hell last year that's had, that a couple of years ago had some really good success. So you would think good recruiting would follow at least for a couple of years. Um, I think LSU is similar. Now, there's we can get off in the weeds on this number of scholarships and this and that, and one's got a really good quarterback. One one ran off Max Johnson for some reason. Um, but but nonetheless, it's a similar dynamic. Um, yeah. And I think one guy in Billy Napier went out there and had a quarterback that we weren't real sure was uh, mature. We weren't real sure that could process the game at a high level yet. We weren't real sure what he could do other than just be a, a physical beast, right? And he goes out there and beats the number seven team in the country, and that quarterback looks like a very poised, prepared, um, high-level process. I thought he did some tremendous things in the pocket, and what he looked like when he was doing those things blew me away. And I think the team around him I thought was prepared, I, I thought I thought showed a lot of really good signs, and then I flipped the LSU game on, and I mean until that that last drive, which was a, a stroke of luck at, at the end of that, they even got the ball back. I was I was very disappointed in what Brian Kelly's unit looked like. I thought they were unprepared. Um, I, I mean I I, I didn't I, I was I, I don't care about the talent. I don't care about the transfer quarterback. I don't care about the number of scholarships. Just the dudes and how they were prepared. I felt like Brian Kelly left a lot to be desired after I watched Billy Napier do his thing at Florida. Mm. Okay, so D, I want to ask you a question because I look real quick at LSU. They go to Auburn, they go to Florida, they go to Arkansas, they go to A and M. I don't see them after Week One coming out with dubs against those teams on the season. So, you know, to, I think it's a great camp, a comp, right? You got Billy Napier year one, fair, and you've got Brian Kelly year one, fair. Uh, Brian Kelly, I think we just look at his history more successful as a head coach has done it for much longer. Billy, mm-hmm. we love him. He's just getting going. How much credence do you put into year one transition at LSU compared to year one Florida and that transition? Or do you think every situation is totally unique to its own? I think Brian Kelly's got a little more pressure just because of how loud it was. Like, there's people, there are probably people in the country that don't know who Bill, Billy Napier is. You know what I'm saying? Like, honestly, but like, they might just be like, that's Florida. Florida got a head coach. Everybody in the country knows who Brian Kelly is because how loud of a move it was. And some of it self-inflicted, like I said, he went viral for different things that were not, like, directly related to football. They were just around football. And so I think he's definitely got a lot more pressure. And they they have a more recent, like, like standard. Of, they went to national championship two years, two or three years ago, two years ago. Um, and so – and they, have, they, have, they got a proud program. I mean, they got one of the, probably the most successful – NFL alumni basis, you look at the talent they put in the league, and those guys have a lot of influence over the perception of that program. And a lot of those guys are very outspoken about how they feel when they're doing well, when they're not doing well. So to me, he's got a lot more pressure to, to just show some promise and to see, like, somewhat dysfunction. Uh, I don't like – even, like, the distraction with the kid, like the K-Shine Booty kid, I don't really know what his intentions were, but obviously that was kind of like a distraction. I don't, I don't know he – He's he's a, looked at as a leader. I mean, he they gave him number seven. If you know the history of LSU, who gets number seven, you're the you're the guy. Like you are deemed as the guy to, for that year, and so it's going to be interesting. I think 
already, I think he gave he gives people a lot of ammunition to hate on him. Uh, right, wrong, or different. I think so. It's gonna be interesting to see how he manages that. And to me, the only way you can manage that is to be successful. It's the only way yeah. you can combat that. And then with yeah. Billy Napier, is like, I think he's just been about his business, quiet. And I'm not saying either one. I played for Coach Swinney, who's like, you know, we we're loud, whatever, proud program. But I just think that like, as far as like first year coming off, Billy Napier's kind of going on the radar. Got him a big time win. Got a good quarterback. He's establishing something there. And you look at their schedule. I think they're gonna, they're gonna get a couple easy. They gotta go to go to Kentucky, which would be that's gonna be a game for them. But after that, they got a couple like you know what I'm saying, easy games where they, they can get their feet underneath themselves. So I think just as look at the season, I think this this to me, this buys Billy Napier some time. And like he could take a, he could take another loss, honestly. He's got a he got a top 10 matchup win. Now, Coach Kelly, he's gotta go win some games. And that side of the SEC gets rough. And so I just – it's going to be interesting to see how the season plays out because I could easily see them having, like, a really mediocre year. Yeah. Honestly. Would, all right. In the last four minutes here, I, I wonder if LSU and – I, and I hope they do great. I wonder if they are Texas of last year, right, in, in the transition of one of those, as we referenced earlier, one of those blue bloods. We'll see if that shakes out. Uh, real quick, um, I want you both to think about a game that you're looking forward to. We'll, we'll get that in the last minute. But in the meantime, you each get 90 seconds. AM, they got App State that we all who didn't love that game over the weekend. And then they get Miami and then they get into conference play. Uh, Haynes King, we, uh, I'm a huge fan of him. He becomes a starting quarterback. Uh, Clint, we'll start with you. What do you think about AM this weekend in this game? I'm sure that, that the game against Carolina caught their attention. Yeah, look, I, I mean, I, I think you got an opponent coming in that, that you should you should take care of business if you're AM. But when I when I watch and I, I'll be transparent, I just watched the first half of the AM game. Once the once the the, the delay hit, I, I I'm out. I quit watching. So, um, but I, I know that I watched Haynes King throw about six or seven balls into coverage um, down the field. One of them was caught, but but a couple of them were interceptions. Um, one of them was interception because the second interception came in the second half. I didn't see that. Um, and it, 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 he was reckless with the football. I thought he was reckless with the football when he was running because, I mean, he, in the first quarter, he, he came up lame one time. He just doesn't avoid – he doesn't avoid contact. He's, he's, he's going to end up hurting himself. And, and I feel like it's – if if is going to win this season to the, to the rate in which they're going to be expected to win given that they've got, you know, their top 10-ranked football team, the expectations are through the roof – I think Haynes King is going to have to tighten things up a little bit. And it's the truth of the matter is, man, it's you're talking about a young kid that's got to mature and develop and figure things out quickly because the expectations of quarterback in a top 10 program are through the roof, man. And so it's going to be anxious. It's going to be interesting to watch Haynes King. Uh, I, I think reps will help him, but he's on he's on borrowed time in the SEC West. So we'll, we'll see what happens. All right. Yeah, I'll give the other side real quick on App State. Former teammate of mine, Chase Bryce. Is a baller, uh, little young, let's go. Yeah, Big Ben Junior. Um, but not nah, Chase Bryce. I think is a he, he's a baller. I mean, he's a gamer. Uh, you look at his time at Clemson. Uh, he's always been like that. I think last week they should have. I mean, obviously should have, would have, could have. I really believe they they had every right to win that game last week. You know, a big reason was because of how he played, his poise, his playmaking ability. And so they they're coming off. They like a wounded dog. Like they come off a tough loss. Obviously, it'll be good for them to get that first game, but they, they're fighting for their first win of the season, and they believe that they can score points. Obviously, they're going to have to stop some people, so it'll be a good matchup for A&M too. Uh, but at the same time, I thought their offense is confident. They can go score points and score points with the best of them. So I, th I think it's going to be a better game than people think. Uh, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a blowout, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a, if it's a dog fight come third or fourth quarter. Oh, okay. I like it. All right. Literally, you can only say one sentence. The game and a very short reason of why you're looking forward to it. D, you go first. Go. Uh, I think the only game that caught my eye was looking at the rankings was West Virginia and Tennessee. Perfect. That was a game. No, 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 no. It's Pitt, Tennessee. Pitt, Tennessee. Yeah, Pitt, Tennessee. I love that. Uh, the country rap singer from Tennessee. I'm sorry, but that was terrible. Uh, Clint, you're up. Alabama, Texas. Uh, I want to see where Texas is at. Yeah, that's okay, the one for game. sure. I want to see yeah. Mississippi State and Mike Leach come back to the Pac-12, 8 o'clock in Tucson with Jed Fish. It's going to be fun. Uh, this is fun, fellas. Mad respect for both of you. Thanks for the Likewise. dialogue. It was cool to go there. Everybody listening on SiriusXM, thank you for watching on social media or YouTube. We appreciate it. This is the Field of 12 After Dark. Big shout-out to my son, my production assistant, kept moving the camera here. And 
100 degree weather in LA. Lots of love, everybody. Stay safe. Peace.